Okay, let's dig into our sermon uh, text, which is James 4, 11 through 17, which can be found on the back of your bulletin or on the screen as we continue through the book of James. The scripture says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. The word of the Lord. Well, as you guys know, I shared a little bit that we went on a vacation to Yosemite uh, Park in California. And, you know, when you're going on a hiking trip, you have to gather together all of your kit, so to speak. And so I went to grab my favorite headlamp uh, here, this black diamond headlamp, which has been on me, uh, on me, with me on many a journey. And I went to turn it on and the thing didn't work. I thought, what's wrong with it? Well, there was a pretty simple uh, answer. There were, the batteries had gone bad. So it takes three AAA batteries, you pull them out of the back, you put them in, voila, you have your power source. The thing about a flashlight is it's absolutely worthless without the power source that's in it. Now, luckily, we didn't have to use this when I was on my trip at Yosemite, but certainly the analogy can be taken that the Christian life is like a flashlight. It needs a power source. It's been said that the Christian life is not difficult, it's impossible. It's impossible to live the Christian life without Jesus Christ. We need a power source. Now the thing is, without the power source, without the batteries, we would think that we would not be able to run at all, but we are a resourceful people. See, if you don't put batteries, the equivalent of a spiritual battery in your life, that being Jesus Christ, you're going to put something else. And there are consequences, if you will, for what you run your life upon, either on God or on self. See, when we run our life based on the power of ourself, we will live a life of selfishness and arrogance. But when we live our life based on the power of God, we will live a life of love and compassion. There are three specific topics, three specific ways of living, areas of life that we're going to take a look at right now. Judging, living, and boasting. And we're going to look at the consequences of living our lives through the power of self or through the power of God. In the end, what is it that frees us from the tyranny of living by the power of self. Jesus gives us the power to put God first in our relationships and our routines. So let's take a look in the area 
of judging. Verse 11 says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. He's speaking of speaking evil. Another word that we use, a legal term, is slander. And slander is a false and malicious statement spoken about another person. Well, it doesn't even need to be false here under this definition. It's just malicious. It's speaking evil against someone else. It's going to someone to your right or left in confidence and saying, can you believe what this person did? How could they? It's as simple as gossip and as brutal as slander. But notice it says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. He's speaking about people in the church, two people in the church, that we have the capacity and the ability to speak evil against one another. It goes on to say, the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. See, what the Bible is saying is if you speak evil against someone, you're not only speaking evil against them, you're actually speaking evil against the law itself. He's speaking about the law of God, the, the word of God. And the word is very clear about how we are supposed to speak about one another. Leviticus 19.16 says, You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. The Bible not only specifically prohibits slandering one another, but the Bible says that we are to love one another, right? That's the passage that we just spoke about. The second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all the world will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So how is speaking evil against a brother speaking evil against the law? It's basically we're saying that the law is wrong, that we're standing in judgment of the law. We're standing outside of the law, deciding what is right, in the law and what is wrong in the law, what I have to obey and what I don't have to obey. It goes on to say, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. See, you can only be one. You're either a doer of the law or you're a judge of the law, but you can't do both. But the scriptures are very clear that we must do all of the law, that the law is one piece, right? For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty over all of it. We are not given the privilege to stand outside of the law. We have to do all of the law. James says in verse 12, There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? See, God is the only one who gave the law. And therefore, he's the only one who can judge it. We need to remember who God is, the great lawgiver, that he is the one who is able to save and to destroy. He's able to save us through the gospel, even though we don't always obey the law. Doesn't it say, for God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, God, Christ 
died for us. But he's also able to destroy. Matthew 10, 28 says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So James is exactly right. Who are you to judge your neighbor? Your neighbor. In other words, what makes you so much better that you can sit in judgment on them? Is your life perfect? Do you always obey the law? No. And that is why the scriptures say, judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? The question, of course, is can we ever confront our brother if we're never supposed to judge them? No, we can speak truth to our brother, but first, as it says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We'll never be able to confront our brother by speaking evil of them. But one thing is very clear, that we cannot stand in judgment of our brother or our sister. Reminds me of a time when I got a speeding ticket uh, this was a while ago when I was on Young Life staff back in the day. They're very fast, those Young Life guys. You've got to watch out for them. So I went to court in Stanton, Virginia. And I stood before the judge, and the judge said, What do you plead? Guilty or innocent? And my response was simply, What do you plead? He said, I didn't do anything wrong. I said, I'll be the judge of that. He said, I am the judge of this court. And I said, I have made myself judge over you. He said, I have been vested with the authority by the United States of America. And I said, I have just given myself authority to be judge over everything and everyone. <laughs> Obviously, I'm lying. Because what would happen if I was to say those things to the judge? But you see, this is exactly what we do to God, isn't it? When we judge the law, when we decide what it is that we're going to obey and what it is that we're not going to obey. The scriptures are very clear. To love your neighbor as yourself and to not judge. So the solution, my friends, is to realize there is only one judge. And he is judge over me not vice versa. There is only one law. And that law says, love your neighbor as yourself. I am bound to obey it. And it is good that I obey it. So submit to God's authority. Do not speak evil against your brother. Rather, love one another. Decide firmly in your heart, that's not who I'm going to be. I'm not going to be a gossiper. I'm not going to be a person that speaks evil against my brother and sister. You know, what God commands, God provides. Instead, we must go to God and say, help me. We all 
have conflicts in our hearts and challenges. Whenever you put people in a room and put sinners in a room, there's going to be conflict. When we say to God, help me, and we submit to his authority, when we step down from the bench of being the judge over someone else, God gives us something else. He gives us love with, toward one another. Jesus gives us the power to put God in the center of our relationships and our routines. This brings me to my, our second area of uh, life, which is living. Verse 13, Come now you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Now on the surface, this person seems to be a very upright, upstanding person doing the right thing. They're proactive. They're entrepreneurial. They're enterprising. And yet there is a problem. Look at verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. See, this person's talking about the future as if they're certain what is going to happen. They're talking about the future as if they're in control of it, as if they are the captain and the master of their destiny. But you and I know that nobody knows the future. It's a guessing game what's going to happen tomorrow, whether the stock market or politics or our very lives. What is your life, James says? We think that we are immortal, right? But what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Have you ever thought of yourself and your life as a mist? It's just this sort of liquid floating through the air. Here today, gone tomorrow. You are a mist that appears for a little while. We live 70, 80 years if we're lucky, and then we're gone. I'm 50 years right now, 50 years old right now. I, I blinked my eyes and I was 30 years old. And now I'm 50. And you know what? When I blink my eyes again, how old am I going to be? It just happens, right? Life goes on. I'm so small. I prayed uh, uh, just a little while ago for people in our congregation, some who are battling serious illnesses. You know, that could be me, right? That may be you that I'm talking about and praying about. Death is the great shatterer of our illusion of control in our lives. Death is the great equalizer. It's the great reminder that what James is saying is true. The problem here with this person the problem often with us is that we are living our life and making our plans independent of God. God's not a factor. We live this way often when we're making huge decisions in life. What's my career? Where do I want to live? Who do I want to marry? It smacks of arrogance. We're communicating to God and to ourselves, I got it all under control. 
You know, the main virtue of modern life, especially here in the West, is control. Think about it. Every advertisement you've seen this week, it's about more control through an app, through a diet, through a home security system. But the reality is we don't have it under control. It smacks of arrogance and it smacks of foolishness to think that we could live our life without asking and seeking the blessing and direction of God. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. He is the one who grants success. We have a finite number of resources and abilities, but the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So that's why James says in verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. See, that's how we should live. And I'm not just talking about tacking it on the end of the sentence, right? We're going to do this or this or this or this, if the Lord wills. But rather putting it in the first part of the sentence. What the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, we will do this. It's coming to God with our lives and asking the question, what do you want? It's making the Lord the Lord. And you know what happens when we put God in control of our lives? The Lord gives guidance. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we all know it, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways and He will make your paths straight. The Lord gives guidance and the Lord gives blessing. For he says, I am with you to the very end of the age. I am the vine and you are the branches. And if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. There's great peace in knowing that he is in control. But when we live by self, we're constantly worried. We constantly don't know what tomorrow is going to bring as we hold our own future in our hands. And it leads to all sorts of problems. But when we live by God's wisdom and God's guidance and God's blessing, we have peace and contentment. I remember it was the year 2005, I got into the real estate world and real estate investing, which a lot of people were doing because the real estate market was hot. It was one of those things where in some ways you couldn't lose. And so I and a couple of investors had a couple of different properties and decided to go over to the eastern shore and to build three condos on the eastern shore. They were going to be very high-end condos with elevators and granite and the you know, view of the water and the whole deal. But the reality of the situation was I was reading the tea leaves of the world and saying this was a no-brainer. And I was making money in the real estate market. So I didn't really consult the Lord about these three condos. 
just went ahead and pulled the trigger, if you will. This was probably the year 2007. We all know what happened in the year 2008, known as the subprime mortgage meltdown. There was a major real estate crash, and the major financial markets lost more than 30% of their value. This period ranks among one of the most horrific in the United States financial market history. And here I was, the owner of three condos on the eastern shore. About a third of the gray hair that is on my head came from that period in time. As I had to go back to the Lord and to say, Lord, I am sorry. I made these decisions without really consulting you. And the Lord was gracious and he was kind and he allowed me to get out of there. I didn't lose my shirt. I think I just lost a shirt sleeve. But it was a period marked by arrogance. My friends, life is uncertain. But one thing is certain. God is in control. Psalm 31:15 says, "My times are in your hands." So place your future in God's hands. Well, how do I know it's safe, you may be saying, to do that, to place my uh, uncertain future in the hands of God? The answer is the gospel. Jesus demonstrates that he is a loving, kind, and gracious God. He demonstrated it by getting up on the cross and dying for our sins, if you are a Christian. John 8.31 says, what shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. You can trust God with your future. So when you have a decision to make, put him first. Go to him in prayer and ask the question, what do you want? Go to his word and ask the question, what do you say? Humble yourself. Not my will, but yours be done. For that is the recipe for success. Jesus gives us the power to put God in the center of our relationships and our routines. This brings me to my final point, to that of boasting. As it is, verse 16, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. We all boast in something. I don't know if you knew that or not. We all do. Well, what does boasting really mean? What do you reassure yourself with when you're insecure? When you walk into a room and you feel insecure and you wonder, am I going to measure up to these people? What do they think about me? What do you reassure yourself with? That that's what you boast in. Do you reassure yourself by saying, I'm a pretty good-looking person. I've got a nice bank account. I live in the right zip code. I vacation in the right places. 
That is our boast. Whatever we reassure ourselves with is our boast. And when we boast in anything other than the Lord, our boasting is evil. But there is a solution. We have a God who is a solid rock upon which we can stand. A foundation that never will be shaken. So when we do walk into a room and are feeling insecure, we can say, I am the Lord's. I belong to Him. He is my value and my worth. For whoever trusts in Him shall never be shaken. Whoever boasts, let his boasts be in the Lord. We've looked at three different areas, that of judging, that of living, and that of boasting. We can live by the power of self, but that light just isn't going to come on. We will live a life of arrogance and selfishness and powerlessness. But Jesus gives us the power to put God in the center of our relationships and our routines. So let us do so. And let us shine the light of Christ in our lives and out through our lives to a world that is desperately seeking to know what life is all about. For life is about Him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. When you do that, your life will truly shine in these areas of life and all the areas of life. And by God's grace, we will do so. Let's pray. God, so often we live by the power of self, but it leads to restlessness, worry, anxiousness, and bitterness and anger. God, instead, let us put Jesus Christ in the center of our lives, in how we deal with one another, in how we make decisions about how we are going to live, and in the, what we boast in. Let our boast be in the Lord, for you are a sure rock upon which we can stand. So we thank you that you are that and all, all that and more, Lord. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.